Would you rather talk about your sex life or money life? Surprisingly, most people would rather not talk about money, how to save it or invest it. This podcast is about helping you simplify your money life. Delivered by Dr. Henry Joseph Speck, a psychologist by training, Henry is a seasoned investor with over 40 years of successful investing in real estate, stocks and other alternate forms of income generation. Tune in to the twice-monthly podcasts to get his thoughts and tips on how to reach financial freedom. How to achieve the life you deserve. Now, here's Dr. Speck. Please remember this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult with your financial advisor or investment specialist before you make any changes to your investment policy or stocks or bonds or real estate you may own. I am not an investment advisor. I am simply talking about what I'm doing in our investments for your entertainment purposes. So I'm really doing this one <clears throat> as Hank from the wildflowerbeefarm.com because I learned some incredible lessons from my bees, and this one I wanted to put on this podcast. And if you're a regular listener, you know that the podcasts come out whenever there's a, I feel, a time to discuss things. So it may be weekly, sometimes it may be every other week, it might be monthly, who knows. But this time I'm going to talk about COVID honeybee decision making. Um, <clears throat> spending a lot of time outside of work watching honeybees and my bees here on the farm and interacting with them and just observing them. I'm a bee helper, not a beekeeper. And before you tune out, I want to tell you why this is relevant to your investment life, and at least it is to my investment life. Honeybees, whether you believe it's by instinct or learned behavior, whatever you think is going on, plan well ahead. They, they make preparations for winter in the summer. They plan ahead. This week, uh, we posted on, we, we do a virtual uh, field trip to the farm. It's posted at wildflowerbeefarm.com. And this week, it featured uh, bees evicting drones. So the bees have determined, or instinct tells them, that at a certain time of the year, drones really have no functional value. There is no um, benefit to having them in the hive. Uh, drones eat um, they do all the things associated with that but they don't they don't uh, forage they don't go out and get nectar and pollen nectar and pollen they don't uh, protect the hive they can't sting they have no stinger they're only good for one thing and that's uh, technically to when it's time to fly to a certain area and wait for a queen and hopefully mate with that queen which if they do kills them they die immediately and that's the end of their story. Now, if they don't go to do that type of flight, they basically hang around the hive. Now, the bees know that the, one of the most important things they need to survive the winter is honey, because honey is energy, and that helps keep them warm and keep the queen warm and the brood warm. So, for whatever reason, the bees start uh, making uh, evictions. They, they, the, the drones, and we have a video of this, which is quite fascinating, how the bees coax and finally get aggressive and, and get the drones out of the hive. The bees don't do a study. They don't negotiate. They don't talk. They don't, uh, well, they, they communicate. But they, they make a decision when it's necessary, and they act on it. If you were to get close to a hive entrance and wear dark clothing, the guards who are protecting the, the honey and, and the queen and the other members of the group, uh, 
you get very close and you start shaking the box where the bees may be living the guards will come out and they will sting you now they won't have a they won't have a committee meeting they won't decide they won't sit on the fence they'll come out and they'll sting you which means because you're a mammal when they sting you they will die when they sting you immediately when they do that they send out a very strong uh, pheromone that the other bees can pick up and they will come and they will sting you pretty close to where that other bee stung you and they will also die but the goal is to get you to leave the hive and not uh, not affect their lives so they act very quickly on the data that they have now the only time v, uh, bees appear to vote or, or engage in any kind of democratic negotiation process is when they swarm and they leave the hive and they're sitting in a in a rather large mass of bees huddled together you may have seen this on video we have one on ours you may have seen it out there in real life and what they have done is they've taken honey half the hive has engorged themselves with honey they take a queen the the older queen and they fly and they wait in a clump while the scouts go out and look for a place to live now they have about 24 hours some say 48 but let's assume it's 24 because if they don't find a place to live in 24 hours they will perish they'll run out of food so here's what happens many scouts go out and scientists have studied this the scouts go out and they look for possible places to live the scouts come back and then they vote and a certain percentage of the bees i believe it's around 70 percent of the bees i stand corrected have to vote yes for them to go to that spot now the bees don't really care about the other 30 percent of the people or sorry of the bees because they make a decision the decision is based on that number and when that number is hit they have over the you know the millions of years bees have been alive that's been part of their instinct because if they wait for 80 percent it might take two days and they'll die if they go to 50%, it might be a lousy environment, so they're going to die because it's not a safe. So they've determined that 70% is their optimal level. Now let's relate that back to us. I want to ask you, when was the last time you looked at an investment or, or far out of an investment, a pattern of behavior to reflect on something that you would look for five years from now or 10 years from now? We seem to be really quick to make decisions either based on what we want now or we, on the other hand, unlike the honeybee, we refuse to make a decision, continually pushing it forward, doing more discussion. And we see this a lot with politicians and COVID today. Um, no one wants to make a decision. No one wants to take action, which is absolutely contrary to what honeybees do. And I'm sure many other animals and insects in the wild. I just happen to be studying them, fascinated by them, and now spending the rest of my life uh, figuring this problem out we have with them. So when you, when you look at the honeybees and you look at our life, we have a great deal to learn from them. And this one incident over COVID is extremely important. Because with uncertainty comes a whole host of emotional issues. When we're uncertain, when we, we're not clear on what steps to take when it comes to business or investing... And, and when I look at investing today, you, you look at all of the different scenarios we have. We saw mortgage rates this week hit, I believe, 1.65 for a five-year is the best rate you can get. 
um, and they're dropping. Uh, I believe a month ago it was 195. It continues to drop, and some are suggesting we're going to have negative interest rates soon. And in my whiteboard here, I have a, a great deal of discussion on what does that mean. So what does it mean if we have negative 5% interest rates? What does that mean to the value of your investments, your money, what will happen long term? When you think of what the government's doing as far as guaranteed income for people, which many people do need, uh, they've, they've lost their jobs or their businesses to, through no fault of their own, primarily many through government closing. So, so obviously there's a responsibility of society to help them. But what are the long-term impacts of that? How will that affect your investments? There is a, clearly, there is a rush by people to move to less populated areas. Not just because of COVID, but people are realizing, well, if I can telecommute, I don't have to go into an office too often. Uh, that sort of opens up the range of where I can live. So we see, we see small towns surrounding large communities, the real estate's taking off. And the question is, well, what are you doing about that? How are you looking at that? In the last episode, I talked about the duplex exercise, which is still a viable way to get started. And hopefully you at least thought that through. I'll leave you with a few final points. The, the, the key and the excitement about this is, is taking your time to look at relevant data, relevant information, realizing that you will never have 100% of what you need to know to be sure whatever decision you're going to make is the right one. But just like the honeybees, when they make a decision to go to live in a new home, and they have a cutoff criteria of 70% or whatever that percent may be, you also need that type of certainty about your decisions. And you can do this yourself. You can focus on what areas you're going to go to gather your information. You can focus on different aspects of how you feel about that, that decision. Um, and if we look at what's happening today, there's some suggestion that, for example, because uh, bonds and interest rates are so low that people want to keep their money in bank accounts in cash. Well, there's some suggestion that even if placed in cash, banks may start uh, charging 5% per year to keep that money in their banks. So that's a negative 5% interest rate. And over time, eventually, you'll have nothing left. So the question is, what do you do with those assets? And I'll leave you with a final thought. Let's assume for a moment you have a property in, say, Toronto, and you purchase that property for half a million dollars, and someone has just offered you a million dollars. You choose to sell that property for whatever reason. My question is to you, if it's an investment property, what would you do with the, with the money? Assume you have 350000 left after you pay capital gains taxes on that property. And again, I'm not an accountant, so check with your accountants before you, uh, you know, don't make any decisions based on this. This is a hypothetical discussion. What would you do with that 350000 Assume it's a duplex that pro brought you an income of $50,000 a year. You now have $350,000 in your hand, which is pretty exciting. You made that after taxes. But what are you going to do to replace that cash flow? That, my friends, becomes a longer-term uh, issue. Like the honeybee, you have to think through this. How is your decision today going to impact your long-term future? I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm, jumping into this podcast. 
Um, I'll be doing the occasional one, so stay tuned. Keep subscribing. There won't be a lot of them, but on occasion, when when things come up, I'll throw it out there for your discussion. And, and thanks for uh, following along. I know we, I think we're over one and a half thousand downloads, which is just a simple little podcast that I do here from the farm. And remember, if you want to learn more about bees, go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and subscribe, become a member as we uh, journey to transform our 50 acres of cash crop farm back over to nature. Have an amazing week. Talk soon. You have been listening to the Shrink Money Advice podcast with Dr. Henry Joseph Speck. Remember to pick up your copy of Dr. Speck's latest book, Shrink Money Advice, on Amazon.ca or the audio version at awesound.com. That's A-W-E sound.com.